Hello and welcome everyone to a new episode from Conversations for the Soul. Again, I'm your host, Nita, and today we're going to talk about the grooming. But before we get started, I would like to do a trigger warning and advisory that this podcast will have content in it of sexual content about abuse as well as trauma. So for those of you who things like that may be a trigger and too much for you right now, you may not want to listen. But for those of you who are ready for the next phase of healing and are interested, please continue to listen to the podcast. Okay, on my last episode, I spoke about the actual merger um, between me and my husband and how arranged marriage and all of that took place. Today, I want to talk to you about the grooming. Um, When you think about grooming, I know for most people, if you're not talking about relationships, you're thinking about grooming as far as your hair, nails, or perhaps how you groom an animal, you know, before you're going to clean them, uh, such as grooming horses or sheep or dog or something. But I'm talking about grooming of a person. And yes, we can do grooming ourselves, you know, personally, um, as far as keeping up with our own physical characteristics, like, you know, getting your nails done, your hair done, or, or, you know, I polish my nails faithfully, certain things like that that you do that are your regular routines can be a part of grooming. But I want to talk about grooming, which I find is very interesting. If you actually look up the definition for grooming, um, if you haven't, please do it because One of the definitions for grooming is actually the action by a pedophile of preparing a child for a meeting, especially via the internet chat room or personal interactions is what I wanted to add into this part of the definition because um, it can not be internet. You know what I'm saying? The grooming can happen one-on-one from this particular person. And it's all with the intentions of committing a sexual offense. And um, as I stated, this could be a trigger warning, but this is my part of my story and I have to tell it. So I'd like to share with you, um, like I said, the grooming, because I was definitely being groomed in more ways than one, okay? From my early childhood, I experienced um, phases of grooming all the way up into, um, you know, my teens. These were all things that were grooming me um, for this relationship. And as I mentioned, how this was arranged, and I'm not stating that this happens with every arranged situation. I'm only speaking my truth of what happened to me. But for my early childhood, like I said, I experienced abuse, physical, emotional, and sexual. And my first level of abuse was actually from an unsuspecting source. And that was my own mother. Um, I 
want to say right there that I think a lot of times when people go through abuse or experience abuse, it's generally what they say is true. It's someone that's actually close to that child. And for me, it started as a very young age. I'm talking about still in the crib as a, as a young child, you know, from the baby phases going into the early stages of toddler. Um, this is when this abuse was going on with me. Now, let me tell you that all of these things that I'm telling you for some of them, I have remembered through the years. However, some of these things that happened to me have come to me through my healing. And this is, again, some of these things that I'm bringing up to you on my podcast channel that have come from my healing. And they also led to healing of another level, of another issue or concern. So, like I said, by her hands, I received this physical abuse. And the physical abuse that I received was such as things like neglect or actual physical pain from her hand or with an iron. Now, I'm going to tell you, I can remember laying in my crib, um which is during this time when I was a kid, the cribs, that crib that I had was almost like a playpen, but it was a crib. It was meaning that it was low to the ground. It wasn't high. And I can remember laying in there and thinking, okay, it's morning. Uh, and I'm hungry. I just woke up, I'm hungry and I'm wet. Let me cry out to the adults in here like, hey, come change me. And it wouldn't happen. And I cry out again. And she may come in there and say, oh, hush that noise. Um, give me a pacifier or a bottle. And my bottle oftentimes would be milk, excuse me, that had left been left out. So, you know, I'm hungry. I'm starting to drink it. And then later I get sick because the milk, you know, was spoiled because you can't leave the formula and milk out for too long. So this neglect that I spoke of would go on, like I said, into my feedings. Like I'm telling you, like I wasn't getting fed on a consistent basis timely. Um, now, I did have my father in the home at this time, but he would be working. Uh, my mother was working also, but these are the times I'm talking about that I remember during the summer because my mother was a teacher at the time. So during the summers, you know, I'm home with her all day, all afternoon and early into the evenings until my father would get home from work. But I can remember her being in my room and me sitting up and she's ironing. And so I'm like begging to get out of this crib or, or whatever I may have been crying for. And I can remember her taking the iron and putting it on my back. And I would have these burn marks or, or bruises because she wouldn't do it to the point where it was like, oh my gosh, there's what happened. This is really horrific, but it would look like a bruise or something. And so 
these things like that kept going on consistently. Um, and once my father did kind of become aware of it, he did take measures to get me out of that situation. So um, I really appreciate that. And uh, this, the abuse from her led on to me getting a little bit older and actually it just kept progressing. You know, I remember like her just, it, she was always like a forceful from, like I said, the early ages. Um, it was as if I was constantly always getting on her nerves. And I would like to say, keep in mind, and that's for people who are listening to have children. Because I later became a parent and I also raised a child that's not mine. So I know how it can be working daily. You know, you're you're on demands at your job, you're stressed, and you come home and you have a small kid, kenna, kenna, kenna. And even before the talking stage, you have a small kid who's crying, diaper needs changing, you know, you, you're carrying them in the house in a heavy carrier. I get it. I've experienced it all. But I'm here to tell you that even through that, as a parent, you have to take that time out. You have to take time out and get a breather and not take that out on that child. You have to do that because let's say, for example, you are frustrated. Excuse me. You're frustrated and you get this child out their car seat and you're just like, snapping the stuff, pulling it real fast and snatching the kid by the arm. And you're like, come on here, let's get in the house, hurry up. And, you know, kids, when you're little, when you're, when you're like one years old and you first start walking good, but you still need the guidance of an adult's hand because your feet are just like pat, pat, and you, you steps. To you, those all of those moments are very crucial and critical life learning moments. Okay. And when you are at that phase and you have an adult pulling you that way, you don't understand. And so you internalize it as, geez, you, you snatched me out the car. Geez, you dragged me up the steps into the house. Or geez, when you got in the house, you slammed me on the couch and you started cooking and, and you slammed me down in my playpen. And the child is thinking, what did I do? Yeah, I might have been crying in the car. Yes, I may have been asking for my favorite toy five times. But these are things, there are still a child. So you have to take that moment to breathe. You have to take that moment to pause and step back. You can't say, oh, well, you know what? I'm frustrated and I'm taking it out on you. And even if you don't think that you're taking it out on your child, they're just subtle things that you have to watch when you're have when you're raising a kid. You have those little subtle movements, like I said, taking them out the car seat, even the subtle movements of they're asking for something, and you slam your hand on the table, and you're like, oh my gosh, if you don't give me five freaking minutes, please. Because that child is internalizing that every time they interact with you, they're getting resistance. They're getting met with, 
a tone. They're getting met with a certain type of physical grab. And even if it doesn't lead to any other type of abuse, that child can internalize that. And then later when they're going through healing or later just off of recollection, recalling, they can say, wait, you know, I remember my mom being like dragging me, pulling me all the time. And you don't trust me. You do not want your child. If you're a loving parent, you do not want your child to have those images of you, those remembrance of you. You want the child to be like, oh yeah, I remember, you know, I, I got my memory and I can remember being in the car seat in the car with you and you're listening to music and I'm in the back clapping my hands and you take me out the car seat and you would kiss me. Oh my gosh. Sometimes it got on my nerves, but I did look forward to that. I look forward to that. Guess what? We're going in the house. I look forward to that commentary. I look forward to your hugs and kisses in the evening when you pick me up from daycare or the babysitters or grandma's. So you want your child to have those type of memories, not the memories that you were always frustrated, that you were always tired, that you were always didn't give them attention, that you weren't loving, you did not hug them enough. You don't want them to have, because those feelings internalized can lead to other things and they can open up the doorway to allowing this child to experience more darkness in their life. And you definitely don't want that as a parent. As a parent, because I can say that because I am, you, <laughs> you want the best. You want the ultimate best for your child. Like you want the best and then you want to rise above that and want the best and then rise again. Like there's no ceiling, no cap. You want the ultimate joy and happiness for your child. At least I know that's how I feel. So the abuse would continue um, through these phases of me being a smaller kid and I can recall one particular incident where I kept getting wakened in the night and it would be this bright beam of light. And only way I knew how to describe it to someone was my mommy had a box with the light on it. And I can remember telling uh, an adult about it later on when I was in the care of this other adult and I'm explaining to them, I'm like, yeah, my mommy had a box with the light on it. And they were like, You're a box with a light on it? What kind of box? And I'm like, it's a bright light on it. My mommy's got a box with a bright light on it. And she comes in my room and it wakes me up. And then I feel a pinch and I feel things. But my mommy got a box with a light on it. And they were trying to figure out what in the world could be this box with the light on it. And then they say to me one day, like something like, oh, come here, we're gonna take pictures. And when they pulled the camera out, I said, that's what my mommy has. My mommy got that. It's a box, that box with the light on it. What I was seeing, and I didn't know that was called a camera because I was that little, but in my mind, it was a box with a light on it and the light was the flash. And recalling that memory 
you know, it's, it was very like weird feeling for me as a child. I wouldn't say it was so much frightening because it was my mother. However, I didn't understand why she would come in my room with this thing, with this bright light and she's holding it. And then why there's things happening to me, to my body below. I don't understand what's going on. And so fast forward, you know, it keeps, there's more things that keep going. Well, the next time, you know, and this is a constant thing that goes on for a year, for a couple of years. Um, even when I was under the care of this person, I would go home sometimes for visitation. So some of the times I would go home, things would still kind of happen. And, you know, I can talk about that too. Like, especially in those years, and you're talking about way back, you know, um, and even today, I've heard other people's stories. When it comes to the system really protecting and helping children, it's not happening. It's really not happening. And often, sometimes the new caregiver is thinking, well, you're the mother. I know that there's been some reported issues. I don't have all of the details, but you're the mother. You want to see this child you want to be around your child okay i'm allowing you to have your child for the weekend not knowing the things that were occurring um while you have this child and then they come back to me and then i gotta calm them down and do all this and that so that's what was going on with me um well, these things that happened I realized that they were also steps from my mother in part of the grooming process. And you may say to yourself, how was that grooming? Because initially she was grooming me in her mind, I believe, what she knew, what she figured was the best thing to do. And it doesn't, of course, it's not the best thing to do, but she was grooming me for later, her plans for me later. So I can, and I can fast forward to years where I'm later, like in Girl Scouts and, and, and activities. And by this time, I'm probably like, you know, uh, Maybe like about, I guess I could say I maybe was like six or seven. Um, and I may be a little bit younger, actually. But I do remember being in just different things uh, like Girl Scouts and other little program things that I, were, that I was in. And I would go to these, what I thought was the day I'm going to a Girl Scout meeting. And we pull up somewhere and I'm being carted off to a whole nother location where things are happening to me. Um, 
And these things just kept going on, progressing at different levels, like I said, to groom me for the life that was to come. Because in my age of 13 is when my mother upped the game. And now she wanted me to actually do certain things for her to make money. And of course, in another episode, I'm going to talk about that. I don't want to, and I'm, I apologize if this seems like I'm rambling, but it's still kind of emotional trigger for me because personally, even though I'm healing through it, it's just the, the idea that these things happen from a parent, you know what I'm saying? So I also, like I said, they were grooming me. These things were grooming me for more. These things exposed me to setting up to what's to come. Like, and as I said, you know, I'm a teen, I'm doing more things for my mom. My husband's future husband at that time was in my life. There are things that are coming up with him. And once I actually became his wife, and now he's my husband, he groomed me for even more. And all of these things were for their personal gain. It was for his personal gain when I got married. It was for my mom's personal gain beforehand. And it's just, it's shown me a lot through my healing of this. It's shown me how that feeling of used because for so long I had this deep nagging feeling in me that I'm always being used like people smile my trust factor oh my gosh was totally off the meters you're talking about oh and I I trusted people at, at up front and I trusted people to a certain extent but I really didn't put too much trust in any people. You know, people hurt me or said something. It was like, I don't care. I don't need you. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody in this world. And I quickly could turn to that. And that was because I had this deep hurt in me that went on because of all of this grooming. So I'm talking to you because I want you to pay attention to your child, your children, children in your family, children in your community that you see on a regular basis, because there are signs there. Is that child withdrawn? Do they act kind of funny around certain adults or their parents? Because there were signs for me, there were clues, but a lot of times people tend to look the other way in a Especially, like I said, when it comes to a mother, I think a lot of times people can say and agree, oh, well, that was a father or there was a male in the family. You know, that's kind of easily to believe. But when you're talking about a mother, it's like that's almost unheard of. Why would a mother do these things to their own child, a child that they carried and birthed? What in the world? So people tend to excuse it. And people tend to sweep things under the rug. And especially, especially if that particular woman and mother is capable of presenting 
their life in a way that paints this picture as if they are together and that they have everything going on. So with this said, I just want to touch bases on the actual grooming, how my grooming came to be from a very early age into my teens and for a little bit after even leaving my husband, those actions of all this grooming throughout my years played a major part in how I treated my relationships and especially the interactions sexually with other people. So that's my story. That's what's uh, happening to me. And if any of you out there have experienced things in your life that you felt were grooming and led you to a certain type of lifestyle, or you feel that things are going on and you're like, why? I, I wonder why I feel this way, or I wonder why. This is why I say you need to do the healing. And I am here for you because I have done it. And I'm talking about shadow work. And when I say shadow work, I'm talking about going within. You and it tell, I'm telling you, it's painful, it's dark, and that's why it's called shadow work because it's the healing. It is the levels, you're peeling back the fine levels of that onion and you're getting close to that center and you're realizing with every peel that there's another issue and you heal with each step. And some things are going to take time. Some things because another incident comes to mind and you're like, geez, just when I was about to forgive you or get over the idea or I'm dealing with it and then bam, you get me with another issue. So if any of you would like to reach out to me to start your process of healing, please do check out my website, hit me on Facebook Messenger. I'm Lilac Duchess on there. Also go to my website, www.lilacduchess.com and you'll see where I have information on my site about shadow work and you can schedule a free consultation with me this is free and i'm not just doing this for selling points when i'm saying this and reaching out i truly truly want to help people because it is in the healing that your life can really begin and blossom i appreciate you listening to again another podcast of uh, conversations for the soul until next time, I'm Nita, and it was definitely a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you.